0: Welcome back to the Cast. I'm here with Vaughn, a special guest, uh, enthusiast of all things, as we've established on the Kaiju Ranking the Monsters podcast. Um, Certainly an enthusiast of Guillermo del Toro, who is our subject today of The Devil's Backbone. Welcome, Vaughn.
1: Yes, happy to be back and happy to retain the title of
0: enthusiast of (laughs) all things. (laughs) It's a good title to have. Absolutely. And a very enthusiastic title. Would you say that you're enthusiastic about holding that title?
1: Uh, Very much so.
0: (laughs) I hope so. I (laughs) hope that's true. Um, And we're on the 137th episode. We've done a few of these things now. um, And the first time you've been on one of them. So I'm hoping you're also enthusiastic about that.
1: Yes, definitely. Happy to be here. It'll be fun. We've got some, uh, some fun stuff to talk about.
0: Would you say that you're an enthusiast of Dune, Titan, and Nightstream as well? Uh, yeah, all of the above. Absolutely. <laughs> I may be an enthusiast of these things as well. But, um, <laughs> I'm glad we have a meeting of enthusiasm. And uh, we went and saw Dune together. What is it, like a week or two weeks in advance? Some some amount in advance? Yeah, I think about a week and a half, something like that. Certainly before the release date, we saw Dune. and Yeah. <laughs> And it's a big movie. It's a it's it a big blockbuster. Lives up to its uh, breadth in the discussion. I think.
1: Yeah, certainly delivers on the uh, the scale it uh, it promises. I think uh, not undersold when Denis wants it to be seen on the biggest screen possible.
0: And uh, Denis Villeneuve, who I think we both appreciate. Are, are you an enthusiast of Denis Villeneuve? Yeah, I've loved all of his movies. Um, I'm trying to think. There's one I wasn't. So hot on there are um, two for me at least, but um, I, I it's the I think it's like called the thirty second of August. I think is the one that I'm coolest. Oh on. yeah, that's uh one of the early, ones I have early. still have
1: yet to watch, but don't have a ton of motivation because I don't hear much positive feedback about it.
0: Yeah, um, I've I mean I'm pretty high on even the ones that uh, friends have some rough spots on. Um, I I liked Arrival as like a template of doing like an alien thing while he's also doing Blade Runner and fulfilling his Ridley Scott quota. Yeah, (laughs) Um, I'm glad we got both sides of that coin for him. Definitely. I love both of those movies a lot. I feel like uh, Dune is pretty original, at least within his own works. Um, And it's original next to David Lynch's Dune also
1: which I haven't seen it. I would like oh, to see it now okay. that I've seen, uh, now that I've seen this version to get kind of a comparison. And I have seen
0: Yodorowski's um, Dune, which is a very good documentary. Yodorowski's Dune is just absurdity. Like uh, what would happen if you had all the parts of Dune and you could do anything you wanted? Like he's grabbing Orson Welles and I know. I mean, I, he really tried everything. And made yeah. like Bannon and some of the uh, um, alien people we're we're on board so
1: well it's it's fascinating watching denise dune and just thinking about all of the designs and stuff and yeah they both came from the same work seems so crazy because those concepts are so wildly different
0: yeah i feel like denise sticks pretty close to like a flattened desert um uh, like aesthetic um uh for me a lot of the uh movement and it comes through hands and her score uh, i think a lot of the placement of the movie and like the setting and the transportation to a different world is a lot of Zimmer's creation for me
1: yeah I I thought Zimmer did a great job with the score I think um was Johan Johansson originally supposed to do the score um, before he passed away and then it got handed off to Zimmer and I feel like a lot of people were kind of tentative on that decision because some people are not fans but I think this is really unique even within
0: his body of work yeah I think so I mean, it is so transportative, that sp- that score of Dune. Um, we may do a spoiler thing. Do you want to announce your spoiler show here? Is that something you're enthusiastic about doing? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I would love
1: to announce it here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you guys doing?
1: Steven and I are going to be doing a spoiler show. We're starting with No Time to Die, which we'll be recording here soon. I'm not sure when we're shooting for release-wise, but... Just whenever there's new releases and we want to have uh, an in-depth discussion, um, maybe not so enthusiastic about No Time to Die, um, (laughs) but we'll be doing that. um, And yeah, it'll be fun. Our current working title
0: is I'm Thinking of Spoiling Things, which I believe you brought us, which I love. Well, he started sending me uh, some of your guys' ideas. (laughs) I knew I needed to step in and uh, impart some boundaries here, maybe, or at least like a (laughs) at least some creative wishes about it. He sent me a Hubble bubble, spoil and. <laughs> well,
1: he told me we needed a title and immediately I was, I didn't know what to do because I'm just truly terrible at titling things. I think it's usually the longest part of my writing process when writing an article for the site is trying to come up with a good title.
0: I think you went with, um, uh, he sent me one of yours, spring, summer, fall, winter <laughs> and spoilers.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, I went right ahead, and I'm like, uh, well, I think you should call it uh, lower or uh, 120 Days of Spoilers. He didn't go for that, so I went with the okay. indicative of spoiling thing
1: That's a good one. I'm, I'm happy with we've, where we've landed on that.
0: I'm excited for the show, too. Um, I might step in occasionally if you guys let me on. Uh, maybe of course. Maybe we talk Dune or uh, whatever you guys talk about next. So.
1: Yeah, we've got uh, Halloween Kills here coming up. That oh. might be a, a fun one to discuss since we've just recently yeah. gone through all of the halloweens which are mostly
0: bad <laughs> i think that's a really good idea because a lot of it is like banked in spoilers like right. we have jesse covering it on the site who's covered all the halloweens but uh, he might not get into like spoiler territory with the, that review so that's good that's yeah a be good fun. Thing. um yeah so we might not get into like the full like breadth of dune we could leave an option there too for dune to be an episode but um uh without spoiling it I uh, I guess it you can't really spoil it because it's gonna up say with such
1: a cliffhanger, you know? It's a tough one to to spoil, especially since it's I mean, it's mostly set up. There's no, you know, big dramatic twist or anything that's <laughs> to
0: be spoiled. It's it's pretty methodical as far as its approach. I mean, if you've read the book, then you'll know what I mean. If you haven't, you won't, but they get into the desert and then it just kind of closes up. Um I, I mean it's half a movie technically. Right. I mean, that's like my big misgiving. Uh, despite like the obvious creative freedom and uh, doing such a big transportive world on a large budget and the way this probably shouldn't have been made, um, <laughs> especially right now, it probably shouldn't come out. Um, it still feels like it needs a bigger audience than it will get, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I feel like there's no proper way to spoil it. He gets into the desert, right. Paul gets to the desert and he meets uh, Zendaya's character and then the movie ends. Yeah. Um, yeah and that's definitely
1: my biggest problem with it is it's a, an incredibly impressive movie just to watch you know just the sheer creation of it and how amazing it all looks and sounds but they can't it does feel like half a movie they just can't get away from that it's not a complete arc
0: it's like a check that can't be cashed, right? right like it's i i love what's there i'm leaning toward like a seven or eight and final review we'll see at the uh start of next week but uh i like I said, they should just call it do. It's clearly not done.
1: <laughs> yeah. I can't Happen think maybe. of, I can't think of anything else. It's such a unique situation for that movie to be in. Cause I can't think of any other movie that's been adapted as half a book without a planned, <laughs> a planned succession to that, yeah. you know, that it's up in the air is just crazy to me.
0: I mean, surely there are ones that come out that are like, okay, we'll, we'll go with what's next. But I mean, there's already usually some plan to carry it through. Like, villanova is out there saying he'll he'll take on the next bond film like there's a possibility he goes and does something else right like this might not happen right and that's
1: that's even my biggest fear is if even if it does get greenlit you know what's you know the scheduling and just it's such a huge movie with so many people you have to get together for something like that by the time it actually gets made and all finished up is anyone gonna still be vying for that sequel (laughs) to come out
0: yeah i mean there's a there's a thing like i i want to see like paul riding the worms or whatever i want to see like the the riding in dune or whatever happens there right um i want to see more than the desert i don't i don't know what else there is in dune i haven't finished the book so uh, I, maybe they're just in a desert the whole movie, or the whole movie. <laughs> is that possible it could be i don't i have not read it myself <laughs> okay uh neither of us have read the book um <laughs> neither of us know what's coming either so I, I don't know like what half the book is relative to right. the other half so uh, I don't know um, my wife is uh, friends with a uh, Herbert's granddaughter so that's kind of cool so maybe we'll send her uh, my piece or whatever but um, it's cool to have like a family connection there with the family and that's very and, cool to see her enthusiasm definitely
1: online. curious like what the family thinks as far as it being a faithful adaptation and everything. Or at I least guess, half a
0: faithful adoption. My only insight is they're very happy with the Lynch version, and they all uh, love that one, which I thought was very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I do really wonder what they'll think of this one. I imagine That's, they'll be pleased. So.
1: I would think so. I mean, it is it is an impressive movie.
0: Yeah, I I mean the visualization is pretty good too. Like the effects where it all looks grounded in its own reality, and uh, the shielding looks really nice. Like the blue and reds very clear deliberate design yeah uh, i like that a lot yeah i like knowing like when someone gets hit and when they're really dying and, right um that makes that battle really interesting when they're like encroaching on the on the um the uh, desert castle there yeah yeah uh, very what cinematic would you, what would you say otherwise like the i mean it looks good it sounds good it has good actors in it um yeah, I
1: like all the performances. I think everyone in it is great. I like um Timothy chalamet as as Paul a lot. Um, you know, I don't have much context for how he should be portrayed, but I thought yeah. he did well on his own. Um, I really liked, even though he's very briefly in the movie, I thought Javier Bardem did a really great job. He definitely stood out to me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Clear standout there. Uh there um I, I don't know, Dune's a little confusing. Like I say, I need to read the book and get a little more context, but I'm happy with what's here uh, i i want more of it clearly yeah um, definitely i'll be there if they make part two so yeah for uh, sure go do that uh wb with all your um hbo max money yeah i gotta hope yeah, what if it's just like a release onto hbo max what if they Oh, <laughs> well, that would be disappointing or if they do it as a tv series um I, I don't know where you'd go dune could have been a good like um game of thrones type thing it feels like
1: yeah, it definitely seems like it would be more suited to that where you would be getting more episodic because it feels episodic, but it's not also not designed that way. It's just very yeah. confusing.
0: I mean, it could be exciting because like you could do three seasons on like even the first book, it feels like it feels like there's such a dense text and dense world building there that the uh, yeah. the movie's long, but but somehow it's still too short for me. Um I, I don't know if that'll make sense, but there's I still need more at the end
1: no I totally agree I think that's kind of what it part of the struggle is it's clearly so much dense information and even when you split it in half there's a lot to be packed into that two and a half hours and it's there's so much going on it's hard that it's hard for it to get down into like the specifics of like the characterization so you don't learn as much about the characters as you'd like to at least their actual emotions or feelings as opposed to just what they are
0: yeah yeah um, I think you like it a little bit less than me I think I'm very won over by movies that are like built off the score and feel like they're like wrapped around like a the idea of like a, a score moving the text. I am as well most of
1: the time and you are too, you know, I, yeah I, I mean I like Tenet which a lot of people <laughs> very much don't but you know I just appreciate everything about its creation I think mm. with Dune I just I have a very hard time with it feeling so incomplete Man. because it, it does it it feel very incomplete yeah. i but that said i still want to see it again on an even bigger screen so that's definitely to its credit and maybe i'll appreciate it more
0: on a rewatch. i really thought we were going to get like the imax screen there i think no time to die was taking them up for the day but uh... i know it
1: was so strange i thought even the our strange screening time of 2
0: p.m would mean they would open up a big screen but i guess not and i was walking out like going to the bathroom during a middle of the movie and uh these old guys were like fumbling their way out of no time to die. And they looked like the, the oldest, most tired people I've ever seen come out of a movie. Like they looked like they had just met like total exhaustion. And uh, they were like, uh, so what's the benefit of an IMAX screen? And they're like, I don't know. It's a, it's a different kind of screen. And the guy's like, Oh, the music must be better. So uh, that's what was used. partially true. <laughs> yeah, Getting uh, Some there. of it maybe true um i do prefer like a at this point like a dolby with like the the dolby uh music yeah dolby's a, definitely yeah. my
1: preference most of the time as well but i'll see i'll see stuff in imax when i get the opportunity it's just always a fun sure. experience yeah
2: um
0: and not everywhere has the real imax screens i think our only one is the science center <laughs> like yeah a true imax yeah. Screen is yeah it's like a little hard to find. So a lot of times you're paying premium for just a, a slightly larger stream, right. screen, honestly, without, <laughs> uh, you know, a little bit higher definition, possibly. But yeah, um, I'd rather have seen Dune that way myself. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know if like the Science Center is that open yet because. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's if it's uh, available
1: again to go over to that theater
0: because we've done like frozen 2 screeners there i mean it, it is possible to see things there but uh maybe one day <laughs> it's an interesting movie
1: to choose to put in imax
0: it is yeah <laughs> um yeah i i feel good about dune maybe less good than when i walked out of it but i uh, <laughs> i i mean i've had time to kind of linger on my thoughts and want a yeah. little bit more from it than than what we really got I'm definitely optimistic about it as
1: a whole you know if it does get made yeah. I think it'll be
0: it'll be really I don't know what the word
1: monumental is just far as a cinematic achievement but without that second half it, it's just strange for now
0: it is really an uncashable check I mean it it yeah. really feels like they gave us like a million dollars and it's like this most exciting thing uh, created this year at least for me like as far as like a unique vision and world right. building and Like this monumental like piece with all these actors in it and like an ensemble work and then it's like but what's there to meet it like it just ends in the desert right
1: exactly there's nothing to really anticipate
0: quite yet (laughs) like they're just walking off and and something interesting is probably about to happen that is in the book but I don't know what that is so
1: yeah I think I mean maybe it would I'd feel better about it if I think without knowing really the book I think I don't know if they chose just a bad point, you know, as far as (laughs) cutting it off, but it feels like it's not, even if they, even for doing what they did and splitting it in half, it's, I wish there was more of a cliffhanger, more of a, you know, punch at the end there. It just feels very anticlimactic.
0: Yeah. I wonder how that will be received by like a general audience too. I could see being disappointed, but I could see also uh, just being really happy to see this on a big screen now.
1: Yeah, I think especially just given the state of the world, people are just so excited to get back in theaters and see something that's impressive. I think people probably won't be too complaining about it.
0: I I think it would be a shame to see this on HBO Max at the very least, uh... Yeah,
1: I, I'm, I'm glad that it's going to factor into their decision to make a sequel. But I think it's a bummer that anyone would watch it on their, you know, laptop or whatever in their body instead, rather than going to the
0: theater and seeing it on a big screen. I mean, just things like the sandworms—they just felt so huge on that screen. Like it it did feel like so many moving parts there, and yeah, the whole thing just feels like it's shot that way. You know, for these, it's these giant
1: sweeping landscapes, and all the rooms are just huge and it doesn't feel right to put it in, in
0: in a small space um yeah i like we say i think i just need to cash that check just need to give us right. part two <laughs> um it could be like three or four years too so like that ending having to sit with that for multiple years is making me uncomfortable yeah. about the prospect of Dune too. for sure uh, yeah uh um but you saw a much more exciting movie uh titan uh yes julia du uh new masterpiece would you call it a masterpiece
1: absolutely it's
0: definitely my favorite of the year so far and I don't I don't know if there's
1: anything upcoming I mean I'm excited about a lot but I don't know if there's as much that I'm excited for as as much as I was for this movie and it, it definitely lived up to it for me it's it's a it's absolutely amazing
0: we're all uh raw enthusiasts I think everyone on the site who's seen raw um most of them who are vocal about it have, <laughs> love that movie a whole lot
1: as they should be it is an amazing movie um, definitely and, I mean amazing for an, a debut even just yeah. such a wild and great ride and this totally does such a great job of following that up you know in equal measure as far as the just the insanity and violence of it but also how
0: gentle and nice it is you know is it just gentle and nice I, I, I was gentle and nice
1: I mean it's similarly to, to raw where it's kind of got that it's very violent subject matter but it's got that tender thought behind it that's very considerate towards its protagonist yeah um, raw has
0: such a great empathy for its characters right. despite yeah, their it's... situation and what it puts them through it's so extremely empathetic and um i will say could only be shot by a woman but raw should have been i mean raw could have only come from julia de corne so right nobody else yeah. should have made that movie
1: I think Titane totally follows up on that philosophy in such a good way. Um, And, you know, similar ideas, but also a lot of new ideas that I think are just really great and are clearly from what I've seen so far, just really resounding
0: with, with the audience, which is just awesome to see. Absolutely. Um, I'm excited to see it. I I have Ra's uh, 10 out of 10 film and you've given this one 10 out of 10 on the site. Uh, There's been like an influence of, David Cronenberg's crash lately that I I see resounding through some new movies. Would you say this is right in line with that?
1: Yeah, I think it's definitely. I mean, it's got the same the similar inflections. You know, that kind of melding of flesh and steel, and it does it very interestingly. Where it definitely has those influences, but it also feels so original and and novel. I just really appreciate everything about that that influence
0: and the direction she takes with it. So what's Titan about? Like the the real like glimpses like the log lines of it have been really confusing for me I mean is it confusing
1: it's I mean I I couldn't even it's hard to even succinctly say what say it's about yeah. about you know I got home and my wife asked me what it was about because <laughs> she didn't really know and I was like I just saw it and I really couldn't tell you it's just there's so much going on but it also mm. like all of it feels so important to the experience that you don't want to like spoil it um so (laughs) essentially this the the main character this girl alexia gets in a car accident when she's young and hits her head in the accident and so she gets a titanium plate put in her head and it seems to create this sort of fixation for her with cars Uh that kind of evolves into uh, into violence, and in the first half of the movie is plays out really. It's a lot like just kind of a slasher, but you know, like a very interesting French slasher that's very unique. Um, but then it turns into something totally different, kind of about gender identity and mm-hmm. you know being loved, and it's very interesting to have those two things put together and blended together so well.
0: I've heard her put into like the new French extremity movement and uh, that kind that's um, a little bit more transgressive French films that are modern and um, uh, going into uh, something like body horror in her two movies. Um, They make an interesting pairing um, that I don't think we're uh, used to getting from women directors in the States.
1: Yeah, I mean everything everything about the style and the substance is all all feels very unique um and kind of unprecedented, but it's just awesome to see.
0: Um yeah, I think that'll be a big favorite for all of us once we get to uh, anything else you'd want to tell people? Uh, how could you convince someone to go see Titan?
1: <laughs> I mean, I think if first of all, if you watched and enjoyed raw i think that this there couldn't be a a greater recommendation because it, it really follows in those footsteps um but i think if you want to have that kind of experience it's just it's worth witnessing um especially if you're a fan of that sort of it's so hard to describe, you know, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I enjoyed Steven Specy did one called The Tender Extremity of Raw. And um, he talks about a guy who came into the theater and was sitting there with like a whole bowl of ice cream and uh, clearly didn't <laughs> know what movie he was going right. into. And how he hopes it changed that guy's life, although he couldn't track him down after. Yeah, um, I hope so, too. And I really hope that Titan does the same for a lot of people, though it being about gender is very interesting for me right now so yeah i mean i think if you're interested in that that subject matter and
1: you think you would enjoy the influences of you know cronenberg's crash and tetsuo then you'll be uh you'll be a fan of this movie
0: it sounds pretty good to me um there have even been some like that at Nightstream. i saw a uh, king car which uh, i can't go too much into here but um uh, I started watching it, and it, it has a lot in common with Cronenberg's Crash. And, oh, interesting! Uh, you've been doing a night stream as well, so uh, we could go into a few things that we have seen all of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've been. It's been very fun so far. I think you've the... watched
0: more than me here.
1: <laughs> definitely haven't gotten to as much as I'd
0: like to, but I okay. think
1: I've gotten through four or five now.
0: Oh wow! Yeah. Um, what have you What have you seen? What are the highlights there?
1: Uh, well, Mad God is definitely an easy favorite of so far um just what it's just such an experience and so amazing to see that come together
0: such a beast of a movie i think one of my favorites of the year like a top three for me so far is mad god yes Um, i'm it's pieced together uh well phil Tippett like did the kickstarter and he was able to release it in parts and recently it's all come together into this uh uh, of the three parts he's put it out and it's at festival um just blew me away like talk about like practical uh effects and imagination and blending that with live action and yeah i love the live the action and the- yeah it's so great like there's like doctors like circling the guy on the table and um he looks like one of those like hell gas from like Killzone, and he's <laughs> like, he's put on like a diving bell into like this mad world he's trying to like follow his map and go blow up like they're i I don't really know like like titan i don't think it makes sense to to describe mad god right i I mean yeah
1: it's hard to even say what it's all about but something about it just works so well you know it's just such a such a fun experience and so cool
0: to witness that world wouldn't you say like the best recommendation for a film is you just have to see it for yourself to believe mad god and to know what it is
1: absolutely if anyone's up for that kind of recommendation then that's the best kind there is
0: I know like he he began like work on this when he's doing Robocop 2 and uh, some of the animation for that and carried it into the 90s um, he's making Jurassic Park and said uh, well I guess that's my job extinct and uh, right. made that joke which I think made it into Jurassic Park in the script um, That he said that uh, that might be a line in the movie um, so he put it away for like 20 years and then just recently came back to it with the Kickstarter and uh, but yeah, thirty-three years. Or uh, I mean, it's almost as old as I am. So. I think that's so great because it speaks to
1: the way it's crafted. Yeah, and it's so timeless. Like, I mean, you can't you can't tell. It looks like all of it, you know, was made yesterday. It's it's just the style of it. You know, the, obviously the live action stuff is new. But you know, if that had been filmed um, with film or digital thirty years ago, then you would know. But just with that stop motion animation it, it lives forever
0: i think our friend alex on the site um his uh one of his friends worked on the movie for a long time uh down in colorado i believe so uh that props to them because everything here looks masterful and yeah i uh, love what tippet did uh, it's cool to see his creation i i love when people who are assigned to like effects and movies get to go make their movies i i love how like they're just complete showcases for their work like a right yeah it's always it's a lot full, of fun. like effect spectacle there's not a moment in the film that that doesn't look like it took like right. many hours of work right yeah like, i love that that evident craft like a I i mean nothing's uh left up to question everything's designed and exactly and curated uh,
1: yeah such a great aesthetic too. just all of this so it like, is night, nightmarish but also just kind of like this cool fantasy at the
0: same time he's like walking into like this hellish world and like the the soldiers are like seated in chairs it's like they all have enemas they're, they're just like pouring like waterfalls of liquid it's like the grossest <laughs> like intro to a so right like everything about it's just <laughs> yeah. sickening and grotesque and beautiful but yeah highest recommendation for me
1: definitely uh what else have you been watching what have you liked um, so far <laughs>
0: i think i've seen a few things from other festivals as well uh poser is a good uh did you get to poser yet Uh, i did not get to poser yet well that's about a girl who starts a podcast and what it means to be like outside of a social circle and like the danger of infringing and uh, copying someone's personality and oh um, gotcha yeah poser is a really cool thing uh i guess everything else i've seen is from other festivals yet (laughs) i have my weekend set aside to get to a few new things um, Dunes put me back a couple, yeah.
1: Of... Stuff gets in the way, you know, yeah. but uh, but yeah, it's been fun. I liked um, After Blue Dirty Paradise, which is an odd title for a movie, but I thought <laughs> yeah. it was very cool.
0: I requested that as well, so I'll be watching that the next week.
1: Yeah, it's the first thing I've seen from that director, Bertrand Mandico. Um, but I really like the style. He has this uh, whole thing he's created the Incoherence Manifesto, which is sort of his mantra for filmmaking and with that context i think the movie is, is really awesome just to kind of let the whole experience take you and it's just this crazy creation you know that's kind of the the theme i guess of the last few movies is they're
0: just very atmospheric and, and cool to witness i i looked at his website for like that uh the manifesto and everything after you quoted in your review <laughs> it's like bright green like neon on a, <laughs> a white background oh good <laughs> very legible and uh, what you quoted to be incoherent means to have faith in cinema it means to have a romantic approach unformatted free disturbed and dreamlike synogenic, and epic narration incoherence that's an absence of cynicism but not irony it's embracing the genre without penetrating it such a such a good way to put it
1: i know i love that yeah totally um, it totally works especially for that movie it really shines through it's it's so awesome
0: i'm really interested in that in any form of incoherence and uh, <laughs> irrationality i like the irrational mind explored in the movies more than uh you know the ego <laughs> and, right um well uh did you get to alien on stage yet i've not gotten to alien okay. on stage yet i would definitely love to though i'm super excited to watch it yeah we're planning uh eventually personally you live in washington too and we go to some movies together so Uh, we should get together watch some aliens uh before definitely need to do that that's uh definitely on our list uh and i like watching what someone does with something like alien who's just like a set of like dorset uh bus drivers in england (laughs) and um they just love the craft so much right it's like one of those things of course not as like crafted as mad god but yeah it's one of those things where you're just appreciating someone's effort right like uh, even if they're just like stagehands or like bus drivers that that have a, a workshop in the back and they're just putting all their free time into this project much more love evident than in some big movies
1: right kind of like when you watch like a wakali movie you know like who killed captain, a- captain alex where it's just like yeah. they're so passionate about it you can't not appreciate it it's just so much fun
0: yeah i i mean i love those movies too uh, crazy world was a good one from from like that subset uh, last year i think i'd recommend crazy world and who killed captain alex above almost any hollywood <laughs> blockbuster yeah just that
1: when when that passion comes through it's hard to hard to not enjoy it have you
0: seen anything else there
1: i have not i've been meaning to but haven't gone to it yet
0: oh i mean from the Nightstream. oh from Nightstream. Yeah, yeah.
1: um yeah i watched um oh, what was it hellbender which was an interesting oh. interesting movie it's kind of like a like a modern witch kind of thing about this teenage girl and her mom that uh, live in the woods and she discovers that her sort of witchy demonic heritage and so it's kind of it kind of reminded me of raw in a lot of ways where it's kind of similar as far as like that extreme coming of age story kind of thing Um, and I think it, it works similarly well not quite as well as much as I love raw but um i like it a lot it's kind of kind of some some fun punk inflections too um cool. so it's just kind of a fun a fun movie that i enjoyed
0: uh i'm hoping to get to uh quite a few things still yeah us, me too us having the beginning of hockey season uh <laughs> as Nightstream was starting was really a bad plan for me uh really difficult for me to fit anything in with my right you watching as you can tell i'm already sweatered up ready for tonight. Uh, My mind's already in the hockey game. (laughs) Who are we playing tonight? Uh, Nashville. So uh, better odds than against Vegas. Vegas came in like five years ago and they were like handed the whole league. Like nobody was prepared. So everyone had to send them one player for every team. And Vegas just like like, the best of everybody. (laughs) Oh, of course. If they get to choose. (laughs) But then four years later, Seattle's coming. Everyone had three years to prepare for us. And they knew like everyone was making trades beforehand so they could protect uh, like seven of their forwards, uh, two of their defensemen and one goalie. So uh, everyone had to pick between those and they could take other skaters that they wanted. So we had a real rough pick compared to Vegas starting <laughs> out. Um, but I think we did a good job. We got, we got really heavy defensemen. Um, we're a really tall team. We're a strong team. We'll get be we good on four check in the back end, but uh, up front, we don't have a lot of scoring potential. <laughs> so
1: We'll see. Hopefully we have a good season.
0: We have one of the best goalies in the league, Philip Grubauer. Uh he'll play for the German team in our upcoming Olympics. Um yeah, I mean, it'll be pretty evident. Like guys will come forward because we got a lot of second line guys from other teams. They'll get more ice time with Seattle. So it'll be exciting to see how they ice them and and what people do given real opportunities.
1: Yeah, it's just good to see that we finally got the got the team here.
0: So happy. And we'll also so have to go to a game one day because we I would we love to do it. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of opportunities for that. And I started a hockey podcast. So here's my opportunity to plug that. <laughs> um, I've done a lot of podcasts this week. This is my third. I, I might have two more coming. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. We'll long see. Week. We'll see. It might be unreasonable to do <laughs> anymore. Uh, there's thekrakenreport.com is the website. And um, I think it's only on Spotify yet. It'll be on Apple and uh, everything else next week. So. Uh, the Kraken Report with my friend Wes and I. Uh, It's a more progressive hockey podcast. I know there's not a lot of that in the hockey media. So uh, I want to do something where we talk about social issues too, and also blend that in with uh, the team and what's going on with mental health in the league and uh, drug abuse and all of that. So uh, we should have a different lens on some of these issues. And coming from Seattle, I think the team will embrace that too. I already see the team doing a lot – I've been at their training facility every week because of Wizard's <laughs> skating practice. She skates on the same rinks. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, they do a lot of outreach for women already and diversity. And uh, clearly Seattle's going for a different market than most of the NHL that way. So I'm oh, uh, awesome. really happy with that progress. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all good stuff. Uh, we I think we have a good show here already. We have uh, Guillermo de Toro's The Devil's Backbone.
1: Yes. My uh, my pick for this week, I'm a huge uh, Guillermo del Toro fan and you had not seen this yet.
0: Yeah, it was one of the few GDTs I hadn't logged yet. So uh, I uh, did a little essay about him on one of the Ranking the Monsters, the one with uh, um, Pacific, Rim. Pacific Rim. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and talking about how he made one movie and how he has like a personal cinema. I think this is very evident within his uh, three Spanish films that they made in a row there chronos devil's backbone fans labyrinth
1: yeah definitely although in between chronos and um this movie is my least favorite of his works mimic which is yeah. a movie i would not recommend to anyone
0: <laughs> it may be my only one left that i've never seen mimic so
1: yeah it's it's not not great even okay. for uh even for just a fun gdt monster movie doesn't do
0: much for me and it's funny because we do talk about this bulk of three, like they all just happened to succession. Everyone forgets Mimic was in there. Um, As they should. The Chronos,
1: yeah. Kronos, Devil's Backbone, and Pan's Labyrinth are a much better trio than including Mimic in
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I mean, like the, the Del Toro of it all is pretty self-evident. You could feel his framing. You could feel his love for things. Uh, you could feel his intention of social messaging too. I bet we'll get into all those things here
1: yeah absolutely I just I, I love this movie I mean I just love his style and I think this is such a great showcase of it I kind of it kind of feels like sort of like a spiritual prequel to Pan's Labyrinth um, you know it's this is this is set in the middle of the Spanish Civil War where Pan's Labyrinth is set a few years after it um, and they're both very very ingrained in that um, that conflict you know Devil's Backbone is more Sort of exploring the in, the outside influence of it, you know, on these children in this orphanage in the middle of the desert, and it doesn't really delve into the actual details of it. Where Pan's yeah. Labyrinth is more a little more directly related, since uh, let's see, Ophelia's dad is our stepfather, I think, is in the
0: uh, in the part of the war as a general. Right. This one is about a boy Carlos who comes into this orphanage in the middle of the Spanish war and he's um kind of haunted by a ghost there that's expressed through like this uh fallen bomb that's unexploded in the middle of the courtyard which is a really beautiful poetic image.
1: Yeah, I love that it's just so great. It's very very GDT just the way the whole it's such a small set, you know, it's just yeah. this orphanage. It doesn't like, there's one it scene where lead, it goes outside it? of that. It does. Um yeah, um what's his name? The the guy the head of the orphanage leaves at mm-hmm. one point um and he has to see some some people getting killed yeah, um, yeah. outside that's the right. outside the orphanage um but that's the only time and that that set piece is just so beautiful with that that bomb there in the middle it's very haunting and evocative of that that war time
0: yeah i mean it shows the i think it's showing like the conflict of war on the people outside of it too yeah I think they're uh on the, like the people who run the orphanage are on the side of the republicans in the war and they fought for them or whatever but they're uh holding gold that uh, belongs to someone else or something and there's like a lot of like children and how they get wrapped into war and like the casualty of war on young kids and uh, a lot of heartbreaking stuff in there uh but also a very poetic beautiful ghost story that loves its monsters the way gtt does
1: yeah i love that i love the way that you know these movies they're you know they're horror movies and he has that that horror influence with these these creatures and i love the design of uh, santi the ghost but it doesn't it doesn't make him the antagonist you know he's not you know he's just more of a tortured soul that's been abandoned and sort of a, a casualty of the war where the real antagonist of the film is there not sure what to what to call him he's kind of a he works at the orphanage right um,
0: something like a head mask. oh no the right word for what he does there
1: yeah but yeah. um Jacinto is is sort of their their evil overlord that is mm-hmm. sort of abusive to these children and very greedy and affected by the war and I I like the the way that he's the antagonist and you very much want to hate him, but I think the movie also does a good job of making you sympathetic. You know, he was, he also grew up in that orphanage and it's clear that sort of what happened to him is also a result of everything that's happening around him and the
0: horrors of war in that way. Yeah. I mean, it's really about like the fallout of war and and what it does to people and uh, all the casualties really. And I love like the poetic image of an unexploded bomb. Like there's, there's so much potential violence right in the center of this yeah. children's orphanage. Like something could go wrong and they'd just all blow up. I right. mean, there's, there's that like lingering tension there. I, I love like the scene where he has the table and the music playing and uh, he's right by the bomb. And um, it kind of frames that like in the halls. I, I love that. It's a uh, very orange and like sticky during the day. And it, it shows like entrapment and and how they're all like stuck in there, but then the nighttime scenes are like blue green, and uh, that love of color of GGt comes through
1: yeah, the colors is really I love that color work and the criterion restoration just is really beautiful yeah it's um, gorgeous, yeah, I love that. It is very isolated, you know, that the the orphanage is just there's nothing around it for miles. You can't see anything on the horizon. It's very disconnected and there's it feels very hopeless. You know, them all stuck out there just kind of barely getting by and surviving. Yeah, it doesn't feel
0: like there's much hope beyond the survival. Um, It feels like a giant trap for whoever's stuck in it. Right.
1: And I like that it's kind of feels emblematic of it all that it kind of barely gets by and runs on. um, I wish I could remember his name that, uh, that main caretaker, Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, he sells this sort of superstitious liquid that's used as a preservative for these abandoned, deformed children. And it's so, it's so like kind of like that perfect metaphor and it's a little obvious,
0: but it also works so well just because of that GDT style. And he calls it like the devil's backbone and it's just like that that little embryonic thing stuck in a jar with the orangest liquid. Again, like the orange of entrapment that's like going on around there. It feels like the whole camp is surrounded in that liquid when it becomes so orange outside. yeah, It feels like they're almost drowning in the liquid. Then at night they have the blueness and the escape and um, there's like themes of drowning too. So there's a feeling of drowning at night and then drowning in the liquid in day. Yeah, all
1: those set pieces are so great. That whole sort of basement area with that um, sort of well or pool, whatever you want to call that, you know, is such a great set piece um, that they kind of keep returning to. And those drowning sequences are beautiful and terrifying at the same time.
0: You know, I think that's I think that's it, too, that it is always beautiful and terrifying. Yeah, Uh, there's the I'm I'm counting it as a horror movie, although it doesn't always have like elements of horror in it. Um, Right. I, I mean it is like a tone poem for ghost too in a way that it has like the spanish uh catholic architecture of the mm-hmm. uh place too, the orphanage and you know the guy who had lived through it all just wants to like blow it up right like he yeah he wishes he could just blow it up and then the bomb's there and then you think about like what poetically that all means and, and how it looks uh, just a great movie
1: it is i I really love it it's it's my second favorite of uh, his movies right after pan's labyrinth which i think is just an absolute masterpiece but this is i think such a special movie that especially given how
0: similar it all feels to pan's labyrinth it feels underappreciated a lot it really does um because i don't know if this had the broadest release right that pan's labyrinth got um which pan's labyrinth felt like just a universal movie when that came out right definitely That was uh, just monoculture at that point. Um, I don't feel like this was monocultural at the time it came out, right? (laughs) I don't think it had that widespread uh, interest until it's re-released. Right. Criterion did it?
1: Probably not. I wouldn't think so. But, um, you know, hopefully more people can pick it up. And and this and Kronos as well. I think all of his early work is so fun. His early Spanish work, I should say, to exclude Mimic specifically.
0: (laughs) The uh the Criterion cover is also really beautiful. It has the bomb there and like the uh what's his name Santi the young boy who's like the demonic spirit with like the blood coming out of his head in a weird way, like a cloud almost.
1: Yeah, I love that. The design is so perfect, and I love how he's kind of translucent, and you can see his yeah. bones. Like it's such a great ghost design, just so unique. You know, I like that he takes these ideas and sort of adapts them and makes them into his own. It's such a perfect iteration of a ghost
0: and kind of just the way like the blood like floats in the air and like a smog is right. very interesting yeah. too instead of of course we know blood just falls and, and doesn't like float and and linger in the air so it's uh yeah very ghost-like even the blood um yeah yeah there's a little bit of violence in it and uh it is like rooted in that spanish civil war feeling uh where where else are you at? i'm uh thinking about gdt's filmography and i'm pretty high on shape of water myself um i haven't seen it since i saw it
1: in theaters when it came out so i definitely need to revisit and potentially reevaluate but i do remember liking it a lot um i i it still follows you know that that line of gdt's just love for everything he creates and and how kind of beautiful and haunting it all is i really like that movie
0: I do sometimes think that's the best but then I go back and forth with Pan's Labyrinth which touches on a lot of things I like as well
1: yeah Pan's Labyrinth is just definitely unmatched for me I love that movie it's just, just you know kind of perfect
0: in a lot of ways and it always reminds me of one of my favorite movies Time Crimes which I think we both might like are you the other time crime Enjoy. oh yeah
1: i really like time crimes that was, okay. that was a great recommendation from you um <laughs> okay i recommended it to you yeah definitely no it's yeah this maybe. came around
0: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah time crime also has the thing where the guy's like putting his hands to his eyes like binoculars and uh a little bit of travel but also love for this like devious monster and uh kind of a double double doppelganger of the skies so really interesting yeah. time stuff there um yeah, I'm uh, very fond of GDT. I'm glad you brought this one. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm in the middle on the Hellboys. I I could leave or take them sometimes. I like them.
1: I, I like the Hellboys a lot. They were kind of my, they were definitely my introduction to him as a filmmaker. You know, and I just kind of, when I was younger and discovered those movies, I kind of fell in love with just the whole creativity and of the monsters. And I just liked that world so much um, and appreciate them because it kind of led me to getting through the rest of his movies who I and I now just he's one of my favorite filmmakers so I definitely I know that they're probably not the best but I I hold them in high regard
0: I think he's very endearing too it's really easy to watch his movies and be endeared for what he's trying to do Uh, I didn't have the biggest response to Crimson Beak either I thought it was pretty simple idea of gothicism but this is much more than that I think Uh, Devil's Backbone is a lot higher concept and a lot more. yeah definitely very well layered i would say well um thank you so much for bringing it uh you have anything else on on the film or um, no i don't think so i think if you I haven't seen it, it
1: and uh if you're a big fan of gdt or enjoy any of his other works i think it's absolutely worth a watch especially for anyone who is a fan of pan's labyrinth um highly recommend it well
0: thank you so much uh for coming on bond um uh where will we see you next on the site are you you're doing uh i'm thinking of spoiling things and uh yeah
1: working on i'm thinking of spoiling things Uh, i've got a couple more night stream things that i'll have to uh put together and put up and then covering the last duel this weekend which i'm looking forward to
0: oh you yeah you got the last duel and yeah yeah soho too don't you you're doing yeah at the end of the month yeah looking forward to that as well a lot of exciting things Uh, yes Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make sure to check out our website, thetwingeeks.com, for our latest reviews, retrospectives, and features. Follow us on Twitter, at thetwingeeks, and individually, at David A. Punch, and at Calvin Kemp. Uh, do you have a Twitter you want to plug or anything? Or?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. My Twitter is at ZeroZebra, which is
0: X-E-R-O Zebra. And don't forget to check out our video game show, The Daydreamcast, and our kaiju show, Ranking the Monsters. Uh, We did both Mothras this week, so that's exciting. Um, Leave a review and rating, and we'll see you next week for another conversation on classic and contemporary cinema.
2: conversations and I post them online for entertainment it's nice to know at least you listen to the show because it's quite the possibility that nobody is listening to me in this modern world things have changed everybody's entertaining who's being entertained thank you for listening